Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to Bear Insider, Ultimate Insider Podcast. I am Mike Pulaski, former Cal quarterback, Hall of Fame member, and 11-year pro. And this week, it's a little harder podcast to do. Uh, everybody was looking for the Bears to kind of have a rebound game after that Washington game up there where you lose in overtime against Washington State. All arrows pointing in the direction that the Bears were going to have a really good chance to win this game. They came in as 7.5-point favorites, so... Everybody thought the Bears were on the upside for this win. They came out on Saturday and played listless at best, I think is the best way to put it. And nothing they had seemed to be working on offense. Defensively, early in the game, it seemed that Washington State could move the ball at will. And then finally the defense stepped up and, and got solid. But the offense could never get it going. And one thing Cal teams usually are, uh, at least historically speaking, is great offensively. They can move the ball. They can score some points. And it just didn't happen Saturday. So today, I'm going to be talking with Jim McGill, my fellow Bear Insider compatriot. And we are going to talk about what's going on with the Bears program at this point of the season, one and four, and trying to find an identity. So right now, I'm going to bring Jim in. Jim, just kind of looking at that game this Saturday, you heard my thoughts. What are your thoughts on the Bears right now? Mike, you're right that after the Washington game, it, it, things seem to be pointing towards a rebound Saturday. Even the TCU game, it was a disappointing loss, but you saw things that you could take from it that showed a bit of progress. Same thing with UW. First half was pretty listless like this whole game was against WSU, but the second half, they showed fight, they showed spirit. They were starting to get some things going, especially on defense, but it was a total regression yesterday, and it, it caught – me, you, and a lot of people by, by surprise, there's really no reason why this Cal team at home should not have beaten a very vulnerable Washington State team. And we're going to have to talk a little bit about what are some of the things that cropped up again that, that led to a regression that seemed to get things off track where you have to question where things are headed next week. As part of the radio broadcast, I made the point early on that this season has been all about missed opportunities. This game, once again, was about missed opportunities for both the offense and the defense. As a quarterback, I always, always center around the quarterback, right? You have to feel in that position like you're the guy that's going to make the difference on every single play. And so that's where I center. We're going to start on defense here today. We'll, we'll kind of wrap it up on the offense because I think there's more to talk about on the offensive side of the ball and the quarterback position, quite honestly. Uh, but we'll start on defense. Nick Rolovich comes in with that run-and-shoot offense. You know it's created to take advantage of leverage. Whatever leverage the defense is giving you, you take advantage of it. If you have, you may have a choice route by those inside slot receivers. And if they play inside leverage, you run the out-breaking route. If they play outside leverage, you run the inside-breaking routes. And so early on, Cal was playing man coverage. And they were taking advantage of that man coverage with what they were doing in the run-and-shoot. Their quarterback, Jaden Delora, just back from injury, uh, was accurate, was efficient, in those first couple drives, and they looked like they could almost move the ball at will. So in the secondary, the, the deep ball, the throw behind, and the over route have been issues for us. In this game, they kind of exposed the inside man coverage against us, and I thought that was uh, – it was disappointing, obviously, on defense because the Bears had talked about you know being able to stay in man coverage. Man coverage is something that they've done okay except for the deep ball on the outside. In this game, Washington State, with those quick inside slot receivers – exposed those inside cover guys, the nickel safety and the strong safety inside uh, and took advantage of that underneath stuff for Cal. So I thought that was disappointing. A huge part of that obviously is pass rush. If you are not getting after the passer 
and they move the pocket. But if you're not getting after the passer, then he has a lot of time to sit back there and throw and make decisions. And Jane Delora, quite honestly, had some time to throw the ball this week. Your thoughts, Jim? Yeah, that was really disappointing. The, the rush really wasn't there, even though the defensive line hasn't gotten to the quarterback that much in the last couple of weeks. They weren't even that close very often against Washington State. They just gave them a clean pocket way too often. And when you have guys like like Luke Beckett and and uh, and Tevis, and you've got big beefy guys inside like McKenzie, you should be able to put pressure, especially when you bring a a, a rusher like good up to the line who's traditionally been very good about getting pressure on the QB. And they just weren't doing it. And I, don't, I don't know if it was a scheme issue, if if their level of energy was down. There's no excuse for whatever the case was. As far as the inside passing game, we saw it exploited a lot in the Nevada game too. A lot of that was the, the linebackers, inside linebackers failing to drop back into coverage too. But um, I don't know that there's any area that you can point to that's, that's especially reliable in pass coverage either. It, it seems like a scheming issue. It seems like, I don't know, the, the execution isn't there. I, it, it's hard to really put a finger on, but they weren't stopping them at all in the, the first half. The second half, obviously, they, they didn't score points. Did you see adjustments that, that maybe led to a change? Did they go to more zone? What, what was happening there? Well, they had to go to zone because they weren't winning in man. And so they did some of that. They, they put in, or they used, I should say, some of those twist schemes where they were moving guys around, trying to get pressure, getting linebackers on run-throughs that historically Cal's been really good at. And so they did some of that. I think a huge piece of that and, and not being able to use all that is that we have new and young linebackers uh, this year. We, we, there are guys without a ton of experience at that linebacker spot. We even got to see Nate Ruchina on the field this week for the Bears. We got a nice interception there in the second half. And so we've got new faces inside and if the linebackers are part of that rush scheme in a delay blitz style or in some kind of pick twist style, they have to be on it and they have to have their great timing. And it just hasn't shown up. We're so used to seeing, you know, great linebacker play from when Justin came in all the way back to Jordan Kanashik, right. Working up through Evan Weaver, Cam Good's always been good, but that middle linebacker spot right now, really young and not nearly as efficient as it has been in the past. Yeah, the, the defense has to be a, a key component of any Cal win. They're not going to outscore teams. And we've only seen it in flashes. We've seen it for quarters or halves, but never really a complete game. And that, that's troubling at this point. Yeah, and, and I mean, in fairness, Stan McKenzie was out, but he's, a, he's, a, and he's out for the season now. But, he, you know, he was a nose guard. Nose guard isn't generally your pass rush guy. He's your block eater. Yeah. And so Luke Beckett just came off his best game of the season so far uh, when up, up at Washington. So he played really well up there, but we just didn't get it. And it has to tie together though. That, that defensive line, that pass rush has to tie together with good coverage on the back end. And if they're getting after the passer, then you don't have to cover for as long. And so you've got to be smothering early in pass rush, and then you have to be active and you have to get after the quarterback up front. And if you don't do that, you end, you end up in trouble. And like we talked about, I don't know, maybe three or four podcasts ago with Coach Wilcox. It's about confidence. If you have the confidence, if you're making the plays, then that takes you on to the next play. You'll try new moves. You'll try different things. And you go all out at 92%. But if you play hesitantly, then it gets you in trouble because as a defensive line or a defensive lineman, if one move isn't working, you have to have the confidence to try a second move or you have to have confidence to try a second scheme to be able to pick it off. And if your guys aren't, if your guys aren't getting it done up front, it makes it hard on defensive coordinator to make those calls. 
Yeah, and you can see that they don't have a lot of confidence out there. There doesn't seem to be a lot of swagger or passion. I know you were talking with Kim Good the other day about the coaches wanting to bring out a little bit of that to show some more energy, and they did half against Washington and you'd like to think that it would carry over, but it was almost completely absent yesterday or this weekend. And, and it's, it's actually a really interesting point. Cause that's one of the things that I kind of always hear people talking to about where's that swagger, where's that, well, that comes with wins quite honestly. Like if you, if you have success and wins, when Bruce Snyder recruited, I was his first recruiting class and we were a bunch of kind of two star, three star, no star guys that he was recruiting, but he was recruiting for toughness. And so in order to carry that swagger, you have to have toughness. Even, even, you know, you have to see it building. You have to continue to build confidence. And if you're not winning, it chips away. It erodes at that. You, you know, think about anything in your daily life. If you're not having success at what you're doing, your confidence tends to erode, right? The anxiety tends to grow and, and kind of those nerves start to come up. And so it takes a really, really tough person to overcome that kind of adversity and still carry themselves with swagger. Any team that's not winning that carries themselves with swagger, to me, is, is ridiculous. Because if you're not winning, there's no reason to have swagger. There's no reason you're not having success. And so it's, it's hubris. It's arrogance. It's not confidence. And so there's such a fine line between you know, having that confidence and, and, and it being arrogance for athletes that it's important. I think we differentiate it that here, I'm not looking for swagger for this team. I am looking for confident play. I'm looking for competent play, which then leads to more confident play because you have to have success at what you're doing in order to build that confidence and to be able to walk, you know, walk the walk if, as you were. And so I wouldn't expect a lot of confidence on this team. And quite honestly, if you watch the, the post-game press conferences, you can see it both in coach Wilcox and the players that emotionally, this is starting to take its toll on these guys. You could hear it in their voices. You could hear it in the, in the phrasing of what they're saying. Uh, yeah. They're owning it and they're being accountable for it, which is really important in football, but, but they're also, you could hear them kind of that Dauber's getting down a little bit and that's, that's a little bit tough to take. Yeah. And I get your point about empty swagger. It, it looks silly to anybody that's watching a game, seeing guys prance around when they're, they're getting their butts kicked, but toughness doesn't have to be absent. Even if you're losing, I mean, how many fights have you seen where guys have gotten knocked down and they're right back up in the guy's face again, throwing blows. And I don't necessarily see that toughness exhibited this year that you want to see too. Yeah. Well, that, and that's the truth. And we'll talk about that. Let's, let's switch over to the offensive side of the ball because I think it was really apparent on the offensive side of the ball. One of the things, and I literally just finished watching game film. One of the things that really stands out when you watch that game film is that Washington state was beating Cal's players to the point. They were beating them to the point of attack. They were beating them on the edge in the pass rush. They were getting to the breaks in the routes before the receivers were, when they played man, there was, there was not a lot of great separation out there uh, from the receivers and the DBs, which makes it tough. And that said, it, it doesn't get Chase off the hook here. We're going to talk about quarterback play. We're going to finish with quarterback play here today because I'm going to go into depth a little bit in terms of quarterback play. But carrying yourselves and winning out there has to be like the utmost important thing. I, I give a lecture to young football players and young athletes all the time that the single most important thing that you can do as an athlete 
and it carries over from athletics to life is that you have to focus on the moment, focus on right now. It is the, and you hear it, it's a mantra and, and people just kind of pass by it because it becomes cliche, but especially in sports, being able to focus on this exact play, not what just happened, not what's about to happen, but this exact play and giving it your hundred percent attention and your hundred percent effort right now. I mean, in this minute, is what matters. I don't care about if I just caught a 70 yard pass or if I just threw a big touchdown, no matter what it is, you have to be in this play or else you lose it. And when you see guys heads start to come down and that body language start to slump, you realize that they are not in the moment. They are feeling all the pressure of the things that have happened to them leading up to that point. And that's when teams really start to get their ass kicked is because you're, you're, moping in it a little bit rather than being focused on the very minute of play. What were your impressions of the offense on Saturday? Yeah, I didn't see a, a confident group out there at all. Chase has traditionally been pretty good about shaking things off, I think, but um, you know, with, with the way that he played a lot like that first game where he wasn't throwing his receivers open, if they didn't necessarily have a lot of separation, and throwing a bad interception and maybe getting in his head a little bit about not doing that again, that has to chip away. Um, and obviously the, the line had a tough pass blocking day and um, we could see how he struggled so much in the Nevada game when he was under pressure, when you're not getting the separation, when you don't have the time to throw, when you're not going through your progressions, it's a really bad combo. And the quarterback has to be able to move the chains on a short passing game. And that's not happening when you're throwing low balls, when you're throwing them into the ground, when you're hitting guys a few yards short of the first down marker on third and six, it, it's, it's going to lead you to three and outs and give you no momentum. And they hadn't been able to build momentum at all. I mean, it, offense is a momentum game. If you're a quarterback out there, you know, if, if, if it's three and out and you're on the sidelines again, how hard is it to get that back, to get that rhythm, to move the chains? Yeah, that's exactly it. Rhythm rhythm's a big piece of it, right? Being in the rhythm and understanding the rhythm, and it's, a, it's actually a great segue you know, to let's get to the quarterback spot. You, you pointed out the offensive line was not great. The right side of our offensive line, to be brutally honest, needs to pick it up. It, it, we were getting beat off the edge on that right side. We were giving up the inside rush on the right side. Like that, The right side of the offensive line has to pick it up. Um, and then we were giving up the edge rush on the left later. So, But early on, it was the right side of the offensive line. They have to pick it up. But as a quarterback, you understand back there in the pocket that when teams are bringing pressure, when you're getting heat, when you don't have time to, draw, to get through your progressions, then your eyes need to be in the, play, in the right place early. And when I watch film, Chase with his eyes it were just in the wrong place oftentimes. And, and there were times when I watched it where he was locking into a single route and wouldn't come off of it in spite of the defense that he was seeing in front of him, whether they confused him in terms of what they were running, whether he misread the defense. I, I don't know what it was, but his eyes were just absolutely in the wrong place. And then, then there were other times when he had routes through which he could go through progression where he got through his progression so quick that he ended up with no open receivers because it takes a certain amount of time for routes to develop. Then as the game goes along, all of a sudden he starts quickening his drops. His drops get quicker because he's feeling pressure. So he's ready to throw before routes are open. An example of that is that fourth and four down the five yard line. And he has two clear out routes for an underneath slant and it's there. He could put the ball on the receiver 
and it, uh, I believe it was a running back actually who could have caught that ball, turned up field, either gotten in the end zone or at least got the first down. But he went so quick through his progression that he hesitated on the first throw. And then when he came back, he short stroked it and ball goes down by the receiver's knees. A, if it's a receiver, that's a tough catch. B, as a running back, that's an even tougher catch. And so like the game speed for Chase is not there. In terms of understanding where his eyes need to be, in terms of being at the pace of the game, and then understanding if what the situation is. If it's third and long, guys are going to drop out underneath. My job is to get it back down to my check down and let him make the yards at the end. So you push him off with your eyes, feel the timing of the play, and then drop the ball underneath. And it's, and it's just not happening at that quarterback position. It was the same in that Nevada game early on. I think Billy Musgrave gave Chase some really clean looks versus TCU. I thought he got some really good looks in terms of play calls versus Sac State. Um, and then at Washington, there, there were actually some really clean looks that we didn't execute on up there as well. And so I, I think TCU is the high water mark for, for Chase's play this year. But we've seen some of that regression into that game speed just being a little too fast for, for his processing speed right now. Let me ask you this too. It uh, seems that the check down routes so often are short of the marker. Shouldn't every receiver, even the check down, at least be at the marker? Or are they, having, or are, are they at the marker and they're having to come back for balls a yard or two and they end up short? What's going on there? Well, so if you put every single route at the marker, then all defenses would have to do is – run a picket fence right at the out of beyond and you're in out trouble. of beyond true yes but you're checked that you're going to have a check down right underneath that because defenses okay. naturally blow out they cover the sticks it's what you call it you know you, you cover the sticks and they teach defenses to play you know one yard or a half yard in front of the sticks so that they can shut down those routes well that's when you have to either a go up top stretch the field vertically or hit your check down and let your athletes earn their scholarship checks too you push the defense off with your eyes, get the check down to a back and let him just make one move that then gets him the first down. I can't tell you how many times Aaron Rodgers does it in the NFL. You know, Joe Montana made a living off of it. Tom Brady makes a living off of it. When I was at Cal, I used to be able to do it all the time. I would look downfield, Sean Dawkins, Brian Treggs, Mike Caldwell, those guys. And then I would drop it off to Russell White or Lindsey Chapman or Greg Zumalt underneath when they were six, seven yards short of the marker. But because I pushed the defense downfield with my eyes, understanding kind of the timing and the, the situation that we're in, getting them the ball so they can make a one-on-one -on -one move in space. I'll give my running backs the opportunity to make a one-on-one -on -one move any time. I can't force the ball into coverage. That, that never wins. And so you have, to have the, you have to have the levels of a play to be able to hit it. So to your point, as a coach, I tell kids all the time, know where the sticks are, get the sticks as a receiver to get open. But as a quarterback, I'm always telling quarterbacks, read what you see and throw what you read. And so if they're dropping off underneath, I have to have my eyes in the right place first, understanding the situation. But then secondly, if they all drop off, drop the ball off underneath. And it's not just on third down, it's first down, it's second down, it's all those downs. Don't force it upfield. Don't hang on a route too long. Uh, Troy Taylor actually had a great quote when I was up in his office all summer. And he said, you just can't fall in love with a receiver. You can't lock into a receiver, understand the situation. If they push downfield with your eyes, okay. Then my drop off underneath is open, throw the drop off, let them earn their scholarship check too. He must be locking in on those drop offs then. Cause more times than not, they're just getting buried by multiple defenders. 
Well, it's, but the problem is this, in that it's, it goes back to my timing of a route, right? There is a certain timing to a route in terms of when you should get the ball to the receiver and when you shouldn't. And just kind of schematically speaking as an overall, your progression you go through, your first route should come open when you hit the top of your drop. Your second route comes open on your first hitch. If you haven't gotten it to those routes by then, then your check down should be the third option. And so you need to be in that timing with your footwork, with the understanding. And then if you get pressure, if you are forced to jump up into a tight pocket, if you are forced to slide off of a tight pocket, then you get to your check down quicker. But instead, what's happening is Chase is either locking into one, staying on it for a long time, waiting for it to come open uh, in spite of the coverage that's in front of him. And it's in his own coverage, not man coverage. In the, you know, you see the zone coverage and he's, and he's just hanging on a route. And then by that time, it's too late and he gets the ball to the check down really late when everybody's already reacted back to it. Or he gets through his progression so quick that nothing's open because it's not timing out with your drop and with, with where you're going in your, in your, uh, as a quarterback in terms of your progression. And then he's, he's coming back around to it, in which case he's getting to the check down when it's covered again. And so these things are designed to come open at a certain time and the timing is just off for chase right now. And it could be that the, the speed of the game is so fast uh, in his head on the field that he's just boom and getting through it and it's tough or um, that he's just not seeing it. Right. He's getting confused by what's going on out there. What are the dynamics of um, moving in one of the other quarterbacks during the course of the game? Is that a very difficult adjustment for the guy coming in and for the line block blocking for a new guy? Well, so being a backup quarterback and coming into a game is one of the toughest jobs in sports, period, because you're not at game speed. So that's tough. Um, but it's been done and it's been done successfully before. The, the question is this. You have a fourth year starting quarterback and, and uh, they have won a lot of games with Chase at quarterback. And so there's several questions around it. Do you have a guy that you feel confident in that gives you a chance? That's one, right? That's the biggest one. Do you have another guy that you feel confident can give you a chance to win the football game if you pull the trigger and move him in? So that's a huge one. The second piece of it is if we have that guy, are we in a position that we can get success by putting him in, right? Are we as a team doing what we need to do to have that success? So that's the second piece of it as a coach. The third piece of it is what does it do to team chemistry? And sometimes when you put a backup quarterback in, it gives you a spark, right? Sometimes you get the cheese it bowl. You don't get a spark. You get your team just goes, oh, and they drop their heads, right? And that's it. That said, and we're talking about team chemistry with a team that's one and four right now. The, the Bears have made moves on defense, with corners, they've rotated corners out. They've, they have, for uh, lack of a better term, benched guys and given other guys starts, given other guys opportunities. They've done it at linebacker. So we've seen Tattersall didn't start the game last week. They've done it on the defensive line. So we've seen different units rep through all those different spots. They've also done it at wide receiver, moving guys around, trying to get a spot. And that's a, that's a position that kind of normally rolls through anyway. And this week we saw them make changes at the offensive line. So we saw, you know, Deltoso come out. We saw Driscoll go in. We saw some new faces on that offensive line during the game as well. And then Damian Moore fumbles on the first play of the game. 
he gets pulled. Chris Brooks gets a bunch of play uh, and Christopher Street gets a bunch of play. And so the one position they haven't done it at is quarterback. But that's the big marquee position. Fourth year starting senior, you know, not getting it right. He needs to find a way to slow down the game. He has all the tools in the world. And, and I like Chase. So when I'm, when, I, when I'm saying this on the podcast, I like him as a dude. I like him as a Cal, as a Cal quarterback. I feel a loyalty to him. Having played that position uh, for the Miami Hooters, the worst team in the history of football, I know it's not always the quarterback's fault. And so I don't want to put, hang everything on him, but he, he has to, as a fourth-year senior, play better, period. Uh, and I think if you were to ask him, he would tell you he has to play better. And when you watch it on film as a quarterback, you would say, oh, that's, you know, it's there. I just missed it. I have to play better. And he has to find a way to pick up that game. So they haven't made the move at quarterback. What message does that send to your team? If you, if you say, I've got, you know, I've made a move at every other position, haven't made a move at quarterback, and they don't make a move at quarterback, how does the team read that? Do they read that as, well, we don't have anybody else there, so we can't do anything about it. Let's go about our business. Do they make they read it as we're not trying everything? I mean, you never know what a locker room is like. This is a bunch of good dudes. I've been around these guys a lot, uh, a bunch of good cats, and I can't see them kind of backbiting each other. But they're in a place where they are searching for answers. And so where is the answer for the Bears right now? I can't tell you I'm not a coach. Those guys are in the meetings. Those guys are there on paper, on film, with each other every single day. That's got to be their call. That's why I get paid the big bucks to coach. But as an analyst, something's got to change. Uh, and, and Chase has to pick his game up to the, to the fourth-year senior level. You know, he, he's been in the program five years. If he has these regressions two out of five games, I'm, I'm not really confident that he's going to be, be able to do that consistently when the heat's on and they're playing better competition throughout the rest of the schedule. It, it seems to me like you, you got to at least give a series or two to another guy, whether it be Glover or Johnson or somebody, just to see if it lights a spark. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a double-edged sword that, that – um... If you're talking about just giving a series or two, that's not enough. Either a guy's got to have your full faith and confidence, as they say, or it's just a gimmick, right? And so if you make the move, it's got to be you have full backing in the move as the quarterback to be the guy, and, and that's that. Not, I'm not saying fully going forward, but I'm just saying in this game, in this moment, right, focusing on right now, you have our full faith and confidence to be the guy. And it's tough to do it coming off the bench. It's just really tough to do it coming off the bench. And so, you know, this week, by the way, next week, not this week, because we're in a bye this week, it's a really tough time to do it. Think about when they threw Spencer Brash into the fire versus Utah. I mean, like you couldn't make it a tougher job for a backup quarterback than to come in against a great defense who's super athletic. And so no matter who you were, if you were to make the move, and I'm not saying anybody should, or I'm not saying anybody's gonna, I'm just saying if on a schematic level you make that move, you got two weeks to prepare this week, this bye week, and you're going to have to really kind of narrow what you do on offense because the starter gets a lion's share of the reps, 90-plus percent of the reps, because they have to. There's not enough reps in the week for a starting quarterback. And so you have to shorten the playbook, and you have to give – if you're going to make the move, again, speaking schematically, just kind of on a big-picture scale, you have to – give that guy as many reps as possible. And so um, what does that do to team chemistry as well, right? Chase is beloved by this team. They, they, they like Chase a lot. And uh, 
So what would that do? I don't know. And I'm not calling for it. So I don't want anybody to say, oh, Pulaski called for it. I'm not calling for it. I'm just saying that there's some questions that have to be answered at the position. As a quarterback, uh, 5,000 professional starting snaps, I understand the game and I understand the position and I understand what's going on and I can see it. And so something has to happen. Chase played extremely well in that TCU game. I, I said after watching that film, there was there like there wasn't a single read that he made that I didn't get. Uh, and, and the only one that I said, and eh, maybe not at that point was throwing the fade route on third and short, but they came up and played press man and chase was feeling it because he was throwing the deep ball really well. So I don't disagree with it, but but that game was great. His reads were great. Billy dialed up some great offense. And let me say this too, for like everybody who's talking about Bill Musgrave, there were a couple plays in this game, but flea flicker being one of them that I thought, eh, maybe not. Um, but there, he, he dialed up some opportunities. Like there was a lot of stuff there that didn't execute. And so it's not on the play calling at that point, as it is on the execution of the play. And that's where the bears I think are falling down right now is executing plays. Now there were also plays where there was nothing there. There was absolutely nothing. And we were getting pressure, but there were enough plays that were there that we didn't have to be 20% on third down. Yeah. Well, it's disappointing at this point. We we've seen experienced personnel on the field. They're not, there's not a lot of turnover. There's been a little bit of movement on the line, the new receiver here. They're like Hunter coming back from injury. But for the most part, they're, they're in a position where they should be able to execute the game plan with, with who they have out there. And the failure to do it against teams that really shouldn't present them as much of a challenge as they have is, is really disappointing. I don't really know how you turn the corner on that, honestly. Yeah, it's, I mean, that's a tough thing to do. It's especially – you know, we talked about with the confidence, right? With the chemistry, what's going on in the locker room. But there has to be something in order to do it. There has to be something to give you a spark at this point. Um, one thing I know has to happen is they have to make a move on field goal PAT. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, we, uh, we need to be able to snap hold kick. And right now our holder, it just looked to me, watching the replay, has a case of the yips. There were a couple low inside snaps. The last two were low inside snaps. And the one before, he didn't get his thumbs inside of it or didn't cup his hands to get that ball. And this last one, he kind of – his hands jumped up as he was going for it, like he was expecting to short hop. You got to get your hands underneath the ball. And that's not happening. I am always a fan of quarterbacks being holders. Uh, and so I think you have to move a quarterback into that position – there are several guys who are athletic enough. There are several guys who do it. Quarterbacks catch all the time. They're used to handling bad balls more so than a punter is. And I get it. The punter and the kicker work together all the time. And so they have all the time in the world to kick. And you could still have somebody hold for them. And the quarterback can then replicate that holding position. That's all you have to do. And so if you do that, kickers got to get over whatever emotional heebie-jeebies they have because kickers are weird but they have to get over that and, and just kick, but put a quarterback back there in my mind, because that's the guy who's going to be good under pressure. And that's the guy who's going to feel those snaps, even though they're not perfect. I, I was lucky we had David Ben, and David was the first specialist at that long snapping position in the NFL, but even he missed a couple snaps. And so when they do miss them, you've got to be able to handle them. And the, the inside ball is the toughest one to handle, but that's your job. I mean, your title says holder. So you got to catch it and hold that football. And if you can't do it, 
next guy up. Yeah, I totally agree. There, there has to be a change at Holder. There's just after after all this time with them still not being able to execute, there's there's no excuse going forward with the same situation out there. But Zeller's had been automatic on his snaps his first couple seasons, and even on some of the balls that were catchable, playable, they seem to be off target in a way that he hasn't um, hasn't really experienced in his first couple of years at the position. What do you think's going on there too? Do you think there's some lack of comfort, confidence on his part that the ball's going to be caught and, and executed? No, he would never think that way. I mean, a long staffer would never think that way. It's just, it's just gotta be a technical flaw somewhere, whether it's stance or, you know, width or whatever it is, there's a technical flaw going on with his snap. And so he's got to shore that up. It could be, and I, I haven't watched the film on special teams. I almost never watch special teams films because ugh, special teams, but, uh, He's got to figure out whatever that is and correct it. He's the snapper. The ball, does, nothing happens until he moves it. So it should be a pretty automatic deal. Um, and, and I agree. He skipped the first one. TCU, he skipped one. Not okay. But the next two were low and inside, and you just got to handle them. As a holder, you've got to handle them. That's your job. It's the only thing you have to do is catch, place, and hold it. And spin it if the lace is in the wrong place. And you just got to hold them. I mean, you got to handle that. And, and, and we're not handling it at the holder spot. Yeah. Short field goals and extra points have to be automatic. You cannot afford to take those points off the board. And when, when you're not executing in that area, you're, you're putting yourself in a hole everywhere else. And when you're already struggling offensively and on occasion defensively too, when you've got all three phases that aren't working in concert, you're in, you're in for a real dogfight. You really are. And on that point, I think we've kind of covered it here today. <laughs> Jim, I appreciate you coming on with me. Uh, a little rundown. It's tough. But here's the thing. Like, you're a Cal guy. I'm a Cal guy. We love our Golden Bears. And I love all these Golden Bears players. Even when I'm being critical, you know, sometimes tough love is the best love. Um, I, I went, I, I walked a mile in their shoes. I understand what it's like. I was on some bad teams at Cal. Uh, and so I get it. But you, you need to focus back in the moment. You need to prepare everything you can to win and expect and expect to win. That's the biggest piece of it. And so, you know, I want nothing but success for these guys. I am just giving it to you as an analyst, as I know you are, Jim. We, we talk about this stuff off air all the time. And, and uh, we love our Golden Bears. We just want to see them play better. So thank you for coming on today for this postmortem of the Washington State game. Uh, always great to have you on. Thanks, Mike. Well, that'll do it for another episode of Ultimate Insider. For Bear Insider, I am Mike Pulaski. Go Bears.